Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. What up, TC? Let's put our hands together all across this place. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus. We are so excited that you are here today, and I'm excited to be with you. Now, the reason I'm here this way is because this past week I tested positive for COVID. Um, And so uh, our amazing team worked it out to where uh, we could bring this message to you in the Shine series uh, in a safe way. Uh, They're going to clean up behind everything uh, before I leave today, and uh, we are having the building cleaned as well before uh, anything time before you're going to be here. So we want you to know that it is safe, it's sanitary, but uh, I'm so happy that our team works so hard to make stuff like this possible. And so, um, but I want to jump straight into what we have for you today, because I want to talk to you uh, and keep on going in this Shine series, Uh, because uh, today I believe that you are good for something. Turn to your neighbor and say, good for something. Come on, try it one more time. Say, good for something. I believe that you are good for something. And despite what the enemy has tried to make you feel over time, I believe you're good for something. Despite what other people may have told you or spoken over you or gave you the impression of, you are good for something. Despite what relationship may have broken you in the past or what someone may have done to abuse you to give you the impression that you are good for nothing, I'm here to tell you that you are good for something. But sometimes we can get lost in what that means and Quite frankly, the things of this world can cause us to start feeling like, man, we're not good for anything. And that we're good for nothing. But I'm here to tell you one more time that you're good for, say that word with me, something. You're good for something. And and I remember growing up, I'm going to take you guys back to my grandma's kitchen because apparently you guys really enjoy the fried chicken uh, that we talked about last week. And so I want to take you back to my grandma's uh, kitchen for a second because you see, I remember being at my grandma's house, and, and one of the things that she was doing, uh, she was making preserves. And so they had all kinds of fruit down in central Florida, oranges and uh, grapefruits and all those things. And I remember one time she was making preserves. And I said, Grandma, why are you doing this? Like, why, why are you making these preserves? Like, why does this matter? And she said, because, baby, one day winter is coming. And, and when winter comes, the trees aren't going to grow the fruit for a little while, and, and the, the plants aren't going to produce the way they did before. So, uh, but at the same time, the fruit that we have now won't make it through the winter. And so what we're going to do is we're going to preserve some of it because we're going to make sure that it is here when we need it, even when we can't grow it. And she said, we aren't ready to use it all up yet, so we're going to preserve it and make it last through the harsh season. And in Matthew 5, 13 through 16, it says, you are the salt of the earth. We looked at this last week. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, loses its flavor, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And then it goes on to talk about the light, where it says, you are the light of the world, which is where we get the series shine. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so I want to mention three things that happen when God comes into our life. And here's the thing that I really want you to grab a hold of as we're getting into this message. These are three things that happen when God comes into our life. But hear me, they're also the three things that God is responsible for 
in our life. And we get them from Philippians 1, 6, where he says, and I am sure of this. Say sure of this. That means I got confidence in this. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work, say good work. He that began a good work in us, right, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And here's a few things that I want you to remember. I want you to write these down, put them somewhere so you can remember, put them in your phone, whatever you got to do. The three things that God is responsible for in our life. The first one is initiation. You see, when God comes into our life, we didn't go stumbling face first into him. We didn't go even searching for him. God interrupted our journey with grace and mercy. Come on, somebody. I said, God stepped into a space where I was. I wasn't looking for God whenever he pulled me out of my sin. No, no, no. God came looking for me. He initiated the contact. He came and found me where I was. And so we see that he who began a good work, who began it? He, God, he who began the good work, right? In us, right? What will happen? We'll bring it to completion, but you know what that means? <clears throat> that means God's going to have to preserve you till the moment you get to the end. And guess what happens at the end? That's completion. So there's initiation, right? There's preservation, and there's completion. Because God is responsible for all of this. You see, we think sometimes that the preservation is up to us. We think that as long as we're doing the right things and we're not doing the bad things and as long as we keep our head on straight that, you know, we're being preserved. And as long as I can do the religious stuff and not do too much of the bad stuff and do some of the good stuff, I'm being preserved. Like, I'm doing good. I'm preserving myself. But that's not what Philippians says. It says that I am sure of this, that he who began a good work, right, will bring it to complete. He is going to bring it to completion. So he's going to start it. He's going to keep you through the process. And guess what? He's going to end it, too. And for some of us, we don't think we can get to the end, so we've given up in the middle. God started, but we just don't see ourselves making it. So instead of remaining confident in the preservation, we've given up on the possibility of God's ending. But I'm here to tell you today, you are good for something. Turn to your neighbor one more time say, I'm good for something. So... Since you're good for something, <clears throat> we want to go and look at it because today I want to talk to you about being preserved. Turn to your neighbor and say preserved. Come on, one more time, say preserved. Because if you're not being preserved, if you are a salt that has lost its flavor, if you're pursuing but not persevering, you're good for nothing. But I believe you're good for something. First uh, Corinthians 1.8 says it like this. When we're talking about persevering, he, talking about God, will sustain you to the end. Come on. I'm talking about if you got sickness in your body. Listen, I got the right to preach this today, but he'll sustain us until the end. If, if you got a report on your door that you didn't know was coming, you got something in the mail you didn't know was coming, an email hit your account that says you're going to lose something that you thought you were going to keep. I'm here to tell you that even though the world may go crazy around you, God will sustain you until the end because God is faithful to preserve so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so we need to understand <clears throat> that some of us keep getting used up too fast and we're not making it through the harsh seasons of life. Like my grandmother said with the preserves, she said that maybe we've got to preserve them now because there's a harsh season coming. 
and they're not, they're not going to be here for the harsh season. We've got to make sure we're doing the right thing with them now because they're not going to last through the harsh season. And hear me, some of you need to make sure that you're doing the right things now. Otherwise, you won't make it through the hard seasons. I don't know. I want you guys to grab a hold of that. Some of you, you are frustrated, you are hurt, you are bitter, and you are not looking to God to be the one that sustains you. Meanwhile, realizing that nothing else can. And I'm going to tell you that if you'll get connected to God, he'll sustain you with perseverance through the middle so that you can get to the end. You see, God is faithful that way. So how do I live a life that is good for something? How do I live this life that is good for something? Well, I want to talk to you about that today. Uh, Mondrell, an Eastern traveler, reported in the 1600s that he found lumps of rock salt on the shores of the Dead Sea. And this is where we believe Matthew 5.13 originated from, where he said that you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? right? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So it is believed that in the 1600s, he found lumps of rocks of salt, not, not believed, he found it to be true, that there were lumps of rock salt on the shores of the Dead Sea. If you don't know, the Dead Sea is the only sea in the entire world that's so salty that nothing can live in it. He was able to bring light on some amazing details that we see in Matthew 5, 13. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Because our life should remain full of flavor. It should remain salty. It should remain a light that is shining. And to do that, we have to see what, what Jesus was trying to teach us in Matthew 5, 13. So let's look at that because I want to show you some things that should be happening in our life. Number one, a life without flavor isn't just good for nothing. It's bad for everything. No, no, I want you to hear this. A life without flavor isn't just good for nothing. It's bad for everything. I've talked to people and they told me this before. Well, Pastor Brad, I know I'm not making the right decisions, but I'm not hurting anybody else. It's just me. Hear me. A life without flavor isn't just good for nothing. It's bad for everything. You see, flavorless salt, what, what Jesus was talking about there is that flavorless salt isn't just good for nothing. As a matter of fact, they say that the flavorless salt, if it was kept in the house, it would destroy everything that it touched. And even the homeowner couldn't even take the salt and just throw it outside into the garden because it would kill everything in the garden. It would kill everything trying to grow. It would kill everything that it touched. So the only thing that it could do was be thrown out into the streets and be walked on. And I want you to grab a hold of this for a second. Some of you are trying to live a life of flavorlessness. You're trying to live a life where God gets no glory out of it, you do everything for yourself, and it's all about me. That's a flavorless life. That's, a, that's salt that has lost its flavor. And hear me, you'll find that it's good for nothing, but it also, right, is bad for everything. You'll be more consumed with anxiety, depression, and constantly being consumed by the things of this world when you're not the flavor that you should be that God has called you to in the world around you. You see, it's not just good for nothing, it's bad for everything. Look at every area of your life 
that you are not passionate, where God does not have control, where you've yet to surrender to him, and I promise you, those areas of your life are falling apart. You haven't surrendered that relationship to him. You keep taking control, and it keeps going down alleys that you don't want it to go down. Your job that you've been on for a little while now Right, You keep trying to take control of it, and every time you do, it's not that it just doesn't go anywhere. You start to wreck it yourself. Right, Your friendships, the people you're trying to connect with, the things you're trying to accomplish, your schooling, your degree, right, your career field, everything that you don't surrender to God as a believer, guess what happens? It's not just that it goes nowhere. It starts to make everything fall apart. Why? Because you can't have a life that is supposed to be the salt of the earth but let it lose its flavor. Why? It kills everything it comes in contact with. You can't go there. Revelation 3.16 says this, so because you are lukewarm, in other words, you're neither hot or passionate about me, nor are you cold and frigid towards me or have turned away from me completely, but because you're lukewarm, in other words, because you know me, but you're not passionate about me, you live a life of indifference or apathy. Because you live in that state, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth, is what God says. People that know who God is, but don't live a life that is passionate about him, God says, I want nothing to do with you. Why? Because everything you touch falls apart. Why? Because God is going to constantly put us in positions where he gets the glory out of our life. Which means he'll even let things go down before they come up. So that whenever we are down, we'll look to him to bring us up. So everything we touch, listen, saltless life, flavorless lives need to be turned around into lives that God starts getting the glory out of. And so a life without flavor isn't just good for nothing, but it's bad for everything. The next thing I want you to understand is that your exposure dictates your flavor. Say flavor. Say it one more time. Flavor. Your exposure dictates your flavor. Listen, just because it looks right doesn't mean it is right. And this is what I mean by that. You can have the looks without the power. Hold on, I want you to lean in for this just for a second. You can have the looks without the power. You can look spiritual, but it doesn't mean you are spiritual. Oh, oh, yeah. So you can look like you've got it all together. It doesn't mean you've got it all together. You can look, you can make everyone around you think you have a prayer life, but do you actually have one? Because everything that looks godly isn't. And for many of us, we have found ourselves in a place of thinking that just because we look spiritual, we should walk spiritual. We think because we're doing religious activities, we shouldn't face spiritual struggles. But I'm here to tell you today that that's not what God tells us. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says this, there will be terrible times in the last days. So for everyone that's like, oh, no, like if you're a Christian, everything should be good, like no problems, read it. <clears throat> there, should be, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. 
Does that sound like today? <clears throat> Does that sound like the society that we're currently living in? Come on. But right after that, it says this, because it's not necessarily talking about the world full of sinners. It's actually talking about religious people because it keeps going. It says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. You see, what they're saying there is that there are many people that could go to church, join a small group, go through next steps, serve on a team. There are many people that could check all the boxes. They could post good memes on Facebook or share great stories on Instagram. They can have great theological, spiritual conversations. They can have the form of godliness, but be denying the power that's in it. Because if this is you, I want you to understand something. You're only good to be walked on in the streets. Uh, Lean in for a second. You see, many of us have lost our salt And we feel worthless, but the enemy is using our feeling of worthlessness to keep us from being salt and light. You see, we've bought into the lie that we don't need to be influential. We we don't need to move or go where God leads or surrender to him. And as long as I check my religious boxes, I should be good. But God's saying, no, 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 no. I don't want you to just have the form of godliness No, no, no. I want you to have the power that's within. And so for us, he wants us to keep being salt and light because what happens when the salt loses its flavor? Hear me. We start to get walked on. And this is the thing that I want you to understand is that when the salt in the Dead Sea where the rocks were, you see, the salt that was exposed to the elements The salt that was exposed to the sun and the rain and all the elements of the world, you see, it lost its flavor. The salt that was being constantly rained on but but wasn't ever actually connected to the source where it was getting its flavor from, the the walls and the the floor, those rocks weren't remaining salt. They They were exposed to the elements and they were losing their flavor. And hear me, for some of us, We've been exposed to the elements of life too long and we're losing our flavor. We've let that abuse, that unforgiveness, that bitterness, that hurt, that struggle, that pain, that chaos, we've let the suffering that we went through, we've let the stuff that has hurt us, we've let everything that we've encountered in our lives, we've let the fact that the world's going cuckoo for Cocoa Pulse, we've let everything that is going on in the life around us, listen, we've made the elements of our life impact our potency. You see, what we've done is we've allowed the exposure to the world to dictate our flavor rather than letting our exposure to the source of flavor dictate our flavor. We've let the elements of life dictate to us what our life is going to look like. You let hurt dictate whether or not you can trust God again. And I'm here to tell you today that you can trust him. Why? Because he initiated it and he's going to complete it. And let me tell you something. He'll persevere you. He'll he'll hold you. He'll he'll preserve you through the middle. He'll sustain you 
through the middle. That hurt doesn't have to own you anymore. That struggle doesn't have to bombard your mind anymore. That, that pain that you're going through, the hurt that you've experienced, all those things don't have to own you anymore. I'm here to tell you what you expose yourself to is going to be the flavor that you maintain. But see, here's where the enemy gets us. You see, the enemy gets us because, first of all, he exposes us to the elements. So your hurt, your struggle, the worldliness, that sin you can't overcome, that addiction that's holding on to you. He exposes us to the elements, that bitterness and unforgiveness, that person that did you wrong, that person that shook you, that one that messed you up. The reason you've been going to counseling for a decade is because of what that person did. He exposes us to the elements of life. We live in a whacked out, sin-filled world. And so he exposes us to hurts. Add social media to the case and now we can just constantly scroll through the exposure that owns us. But here's what happens when we, when we give in to the exposure that's causing us to lose our flavor. This is what happens. We go from exposure, but because we've been exposed to those things in life, we know we shouldn't. Guess what happens? We get consumed with shame. And then, oh my gosh, I'm consumed with shame. I've, I've got these things in my life. What do, what do I do? Like, I mean, there's no way God wants me. There's no way the church wants me. There's no way my friends or my small group wants me. There's no way they want me serving on that team. Like, I get consumed with shame. And guess what shame does? Shame leads to your flavorlessness. Shame causes the bland aspects of your life. You see, it was never actually the exposure that owned you. It was the shame that came from it. Hold on. I want to preach to you this morning for just a second. You see, what you've come through, what you've been through, what used to own you, the hurts, the struggles, the pain, the addictions, the sin in your life, those things used to own you. But hear me, the exposure to those things aren't what separates you from God. It's your shame about them that's separating you from God. God hadn't gone anywhere yet. He initiated it. He plans to complete it. Hear me. And he'll sustain you. But what happens is we let our shame do the same thing it did to Adam and Eve in the garden. When they sinned, they went and hid. And God shows up in the garden and says, Adam, where are you? And he says, I hid because of my shame. We were naked. And guess what happens? God says, who told you you were naked? You see, they knew something about themselves they shouldn't know. And for some of you, You're experiencing the shame of your exposure. Hear me, the exposure is what Jesus paid for. The exposure is what Jesus died for. The exposure is what Jesus consumed of the wrath of God on the cross. Listen, Jesus took care of the exposure, but you gotta stop letting the shame of the exposure, the shame of the sin, the shame of the hurt, the shame of the struggle, the shame of what you're going through. You've gotta stop letting the shame cause you to live a life of flavorlessness. Because the shame is between you and the enemy, not between you and God. And for some of you, you can't get past your shame. Therefore, you don't think you can live life like salt. But God is here to tell you he started it, he's going to finish it, and he'll sustain you till you get there. God's got you. But here's the question that I have for you. What if we were connected? What if we were connected? You see, Mundrell also found that rocks that stayed connected to the wall, that stayed connected, the area of the rock that was connected to the wall always had its flavor. 
the salt rocks, the, the lumps of rock salt that were in the Dead Sea, the outside that was constantly being consumed by the elements, that was getting sunshine and getting rain, all of that never had flavor. But the part of the rock that was connected to the source, come on somebody, I said the part of the rock that was connected to the source always had flavor. Because when we're connected to God, we always have flavor. Your exposure dictates your flavor. So what are you exposing yourself to? Are you exposing yourself to the things of this world constantly? Are you being consumed by the news and social media and what people have to say? Or are you exposed to the word where God is giving you life every day? Are you reading the Bible reading plan that we put out as a church so that we can read through it together? Are we, are we praying each day? Are we going to the Lord? Hear me. Whatever you're exposed to is what you're going to taste like. Whatever you're exposed to is going to be the flavor that owns you. So, what does that mean? That means your inward connection should produce an outward expression. I'm going to say that again. Your inward connection should produce an outward expression. Philippians 2, 12 through 13 says it like this. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That means to desire, to want, and to work, to produce for his good pleasure. Hear me. Your inward connection to the source should be creating an outward expression to the world. That the world that's trying to take away your flavor starts getting flavored by you. Your job that used to make you bland because you were miserable all the time, it needs to be the place where you show up and start bringing some flavor onto the scene. Your family that used to have no flavor, it's up to you now to show up and start bringing some flavor to them in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, in your relationships, in those areas. Listen, it's time for you to be the flavor rather than letting your flavor get dampened by the elements. Your exposure. Why? Because the inward connection should create an outward expression. So God only preserves us through the connection. When we come to God through his preservation, we are then living in such a way that preserves the gospel to the world around us. And this is what I was talking about earlier, but this is where we see in the Bible, and Mondrell had this to say, which was very interesting. We already hit it on a little bit. He said, though the rocks had the sparks and the particles of salt, it didn't have the flavor of salt. Oh, listen to me. Though it looked salty, though it looked like it should have, though when you held the two salt lumps by each other, though you looked at one and you looked at the other, 
Though you could hold them up, you may not see a difference, but there was something different on the inside because one of them had been connected to the source. They may not have looked completely different. And this is, I want you to lean into this for a second. Hear me. There may be Christians out there that are giving us a bad name. There may be Christians out there that, that look religious. They, they seem to have the sparkle. They seem to look like us. But hear me, it's up to us to be the ones that have flavor. There may be religious people out out there that I don't know if they're saved or not, but they, they have the form of godliness, but hear me, they lack the power that is within. It, it's up to us to recognize that it's up to us to bring flavor to the world. Hear me, God initiated, God will complete, but what we have to understand is that while we're being preserved during the meantime, as he's sustaining us, we have to realize that it's in those times that God is also using us to touch the world that is around us. You see, God is showing up in that way. Some people that are supposed to be walking with flavor and preserving power of the gospel and the nature of God are people that merely have the looks of salt but don't have the flavor. Some of us know how, again, to fool a, f- a few people but are we living a life that creates impact? Is your life a preservative for the good news? Is your life holding out? Is your life producing something? Does your life model compassion, areas for the less fortunate? When you're, many of us, we think that our life is producing flavor, but not only do we not even have the courage to trust God with our tithe, we won't even pay for someone's groceries in line when a single mom is holding three babies and trying to make sure that she has enough to take care of them. Hear me, when we're too concerned about us and the elements, we're losing the flavor to impact others. But God wants us to be the flavor, the salt in the world that we would produce. Does your life have the right flavor that when people come in contact with it, Lean in, we're almost done. That when people come in contact with it, does your life have the flavor that they're thinking, oh yeah, oh yeah, this one, this one's been with God? Does your life produce the impact that causes the people around you to go, you know, I heard a lot of people talk about Jesus, but but I feel like this one right here is living in. I I, I feel like I don't know what everyone else is doing. They, they have a form of godliness, but this one has power. Because what you've been connected to, that connection, should create an expression. We should find ourselves, or are we speaking, are we sparkling like particles of Christianity that we've lost the ability to represent? Here, recently I've I've started connecting with some of my old friends. People that I knew when I was a complete knucklehead. Straight up just getting into trouble doing stupid stuff. God keeps putting them in my path. And every one of them, for the most part, know about the journey that my family's been on. They know about my brother's motorcycle wreck and the coma and and that journey. They know about my wife who lost her mother to cancer and is with Jesus now and they know about our son who passed away in 2018 but here's what all of them keep saying to me man there's something different in you they keep coming to me thinking they're gonna have to cheer me up 
but they'll text me the next day or even a few minutes after I leave and they go, how do you have so much hope? How, how do you have something in you? What is it about your life that's causing you to walk and to live the way that you are? Because my life isn't even as bad as yours has been, quote unquote, when they compare their journey to mine, which is not completely unfair, by the way. They say, oh, my life isn't even that bad, but your life, you've been through more than I could even think. Uh, I can't comprehend the pain. But when I talk to you, there's a hope in your voice and in your eyes. What, what is it that's different about you? It's a simple answer. Because Jesus is preserving my life. They look to me not because I'm great, but they see the preserving, sustaining power of God living inside of me. My eyes have not lost their hope. My voice, though maybe struggling right now, my voice has not lost its thunder. I will proclaim, I will live a life, I will declare who God is. I will declare the good news of God in the land of the living. In Exodus 34, 29, Moses Goes up on Mount Sinai, he gets the two tablets where he, he meets with God and he says, God, I want to see you. And God says, you can't see me or you'll die. He says, I want to see you. And God says, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover your face. As I pass by, I'm going to let you uncover and let you see my backside. But you can't look at my face or you'll die. The glory of who I am, you can't survive it. And Moses says, all right. And God does that. And in Exodus 34, 29, and this is, this is where I really want you to grab a hold of this. And I pray that it does something serious on the inside of your life. That when you leave today, you make it a mission to live a life full of flavor. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had been with the Lord. His face was shining. There was something different about Moses. The Moses that came down from the mountain was a different Moses than the one that went up from the mountain. You want to know why? Because he had been with God. The person that you are on your job the one that you were on Friday, I challenge you. Be a different one on Monday because you've been with God. The person that you are at school, the one that you were on Friday, hear me, students, young people, college students, listen to me. Whatever you were on Friday, be different on Monday because you've been with God. Whoever you've been in your marriage or in your relationships or in your friendships, Whoever you were yesterday, make it a point that tomorrow you shine in your life because you've been with God. Moses shine. His face was radiant because he's been with God. And I believe that our God, who has initiated this journey for you, 
And I fully believe, according to his word, that he intends to complete it for you, according to Philippians, is also the God that will preserve you in the meantime. Because he hasn't failed us yet. And I don't believe he's going to start now. So can we give it up for Jesus one time all across this place? Come on, put your hands together. Amazing. Listen, I want to pray with you today. As you get ready, I believe, to live a life that's going to shine for the world to see. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. God, I pray for every person that is here, every person that can hear my voice, every person that's listening or watching this online. I believe, God, that you initiate, you complete, and you preserve, you sustain our lives. That as we are connected to you, we now have flavor in the world around us. Let our face, let our lives be radiant with the glory of God. Let the world see us and go, they've been with God. And in our good deeds, let us show them the goodness of God. And with our words, let us declare the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done on the cross. I pray that courage to let go of shame, courage to release hurts and bitterness would swoop across this place right now. God, that a confidence that would overcome anxiety and depression would change the life of those that are watching and listening to this right now. God, that we would be a light on top of the hill that shines towards you so that you can heal and make whole. In Jesus' name, with everyone's head bowed and your eyes closed today, if you need Jesus in your life, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus paid for your sins like we talked about earlier, so that your shame doesn't have to own you anymore. Though our sin, my sin, your sin, everyone's sin, separated us from God, Jesus' grace gave us a a way back to him. And today, if you want to know God, I want to lead you in this very simple prayer. This prayer doesn't make you saved, but your faith in Jesus is what makes you saved. But this prayer puts words to the actions of your heart that says, Jesus, I believe in you, and I'm giving you my life. So, church, let's pray this all across this place, in Jesus' name, say, Dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you gave me access back to God. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.